Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that as, as we look at your word now, I pray that you would speak into our lives. We, we open up our hearts uh, to hear from you, to receive from you right now. Pray, Lord, for your word to penetrate into our spirits and uh, that it would bring healing and freedom and clarity uh, to us. And uh, Lord, we pray that your will would be done in Jesus' amazing name. Amen. Amen. So we've been looking over the last few weeks at spiritual, the topic of spiritual warfare, and in particular, the armor that God has given us from Ephesians chapter 6. And, uh, but first, before we get into that, did you do your homework? No. No? Smack. Okay, four scriptures I asked you to memorize. <laughs> what was the first one? Romans 3.23. Well done. What does that say? <laughs> Come on, guys. Put your boots on. Amen. Amen. What was the next one? Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. What's the next one? John 3.16, for God so, that he gave his, that whoever believes in him, but have eternal life. And what was the last one? Romans 10.10, what says, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. If you didn't memorize them, please do that this week. And make sure you put the armor on. It's no good God giving us all this armor and we leave it in a pile in the corner. We've got to wear it. Amen? <laughs> Today we're going to have a look at the last two pieces, uh, which are the, the helmet and the sword. So we're looking at a picture of a soldier that's wearing all the armor uh, that they're provided with, which is the breastplate, uh, the belt, the shield, the sword, the shoes, and the helmet. And once you've got all of those pieces on, you are fully equipped to withstand the attack from the enemy. If you decide to pick and choose which pieces are your favorite, Guess which areas the enemy will attack you. He isn't an idiot. He's, he has intelligence. And he will attack you in your weakest spot. And if you decide to wear five pieces out of the six, you will be attacked in the one area you never put anything on. <laughs> anyway, with the armor of God, we can withstand the attack of the enemy because it is God's armor. It is the best of the best. Ephesians 6, let's have a read. Uh, we've read it a couple of times already, but let's go over it again from verse 13. It says, Therefore put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle you will still be standing firm. In other words, if, uh, 
If you're not standing firm in the Lord this morning, it means you haven't got all the armor on. It's as simple as that. Because the Bible says if you put it on, you will stand firm. Verse 14, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, the body armor or the breastplate of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So number five, we put on salvation as our helmet. The fifth piece of this defensive armor that God has given us is a helmet. And what part of the body does a helmet protect? Our head. And what does the head represent in our spirit, in our spiritual part of us? The mind. Okay? Your thought life. And over the years as, as a Christian, I've seen how devastating a wound to the mind can be for people. An unguarded mind is a recipe for disaster. I know that the Bible says that above all else, guard your heart. But I, I think that guarding our mind should be second most important in our lives. It's critically important. Sometimes the attack on our mind is a full-on uh, assault where our minds are racing. There's just chaos going on. We can't see up or down, left or right. We can't see the wood for the trees. And, uh, and there's absolute confusion. And it can be very difficult to even stabilize our minds. And at other times, the attack against our minds is very subtle where you hardly notice it at all. But it's just a tiny, tiny seed of doubt. It just gets thrown in there and left. And we just go, oh, okay. We do nothing, with, nothing about it. We leave it. And it causes a problem down the line. That little seed of doubt comes in. You hear a testimony. You think to yourself, nah, I don't know whether that's actually a supernatural thing. I don't know whether God really did that. I think, you know, the body just heals itself type of thing. It's just that little element of doubt. And it begins to take root. And over time, if you don't get rid of it, the enemy thinks, well, it's a fantastic place for me just to sow, sow more doubt. In that bucket of our mind that we don't clear out, just sows more and more and more and more. And uh, we begin to question, you know, other people's testimonies and other people's experience with God. We look around the room and we think, are people really experiencing God? Or is this just some kind of a hyped, hyped up environment? And we begin to doubt the Word of God. We begin to doubt the authenticity and the, the fact that the Bible says, well, this is God-breathed. We think, well, how can it be? We start doubting this. We start thinking some parts of this are, are fairy stories or just stories of morality to prove a point. But Noah didn't really build an ark. Adam and Eve weren't really the first people God created. The Tower of Babel was a metaphor for something that happened in the world. 
didn't really happen. The minute we start going down that road, it just leads one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. And eventually you start doubting your own salvation. But it starts with a tiny seed because our mind is unprotected. I've met many Christians, sadly, who, who believe that God doesn't love them. It's like, how? How does that happen? I've met pastors who left the ministry because they believed that they'd committed the unforgivable sin and they, they'd never defrauded the church, they'd never had an affair, never tried to steal money, but somehow in their mind, they, they feel that God just hasn't forgiven them for unbelief or doubting or something. And they left the ministry. And I'm thinking, how is that possible? It's an unguarded mind. And the enemy just comes in and starts attacking and sowing seeds of doubt, sowing lies into a mind. And eventually, if it's left unchecked, the downward spiral happens and, and people get derailed because of it. Now, before I carry on today, I, I felt to write this down. I felt just to say that if you feel that your mind is damaged this morning, if you feel like you've been wounded in your mind, uh, I, wanna, I want you to know this, and this is the truth from God's Word, is that Jesus' healing doesn't just stop with our physical bodies. It goes beyond that. If you need healing in your mind, God can heal your mind. We're not talking about brain damage. I'm talking about mind damage. Your mind you can't see. Your brain you can. But your mind can be healed by God. How do I know this? Because Scripture says there were certain people that came to Jesus and they were out of their mind. They were crazy. They had to live outside of the village or wherever they were living. And they, they cut themselves. They, were, they had a major problem in their mind. And when Jesus set them free or healed them, whatever he did to them, it says in a couple of places that same person was sitting next to Jesus, clothed and in their right mind. That means Jesus can heal a mind. And we need to believe that and go, if that's you this morning and you are saying something is broken in my mind, Jesus can heal that. Amen? Amen. He can. Luke 8, if you want to read one of, one of those stories, Luke chapter 8, you can go and read it for yourself. But we're talking here about a helmet that protects our mind. Once our mind has been healed, we need this helmet to protect from further attacks. Okay? The helmet doesn't heal you. The helmet stops you being attacked in your mind. Ephesians 6.17, it says, put on salvation as a helmet. Now, you might be thinking, well, I'm saved this morning, so does that mean I've got the helmet on? Well, if you turn to 1 Thessalonians 5.8, we're going to see some additional information about this helmet. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 8. It says, But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, that's the breastplate, and wearing our helmet as the confidence of our salvation. In other versions, it says the hope of our salvation. 
And I believe that this helmet is hope. It's hope. It's hope that comes from being saved that protects our mind. Hope is a confident expectation of the good things that God is going to do. It's a confident expectation. It's not wishful thinking. It's not saying, well, the Bible talks about heaven. The Bible talks about God loving us. The Bible talks about God doing this, that, uh, setting us free, healing us, whatever. I'm hoping, but really it's wishful thinking. It's a confident expectation that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. And as we wear our helmet of hope, of the hope of our salvation, it's this hope that protects our mind. Romans 8.24 says, We were given this hope when we were saved. When you and I gave our lives to Jesus and he saved us, we received this hope. The important thing now is to wear it, not leave it in a corner. (laughs) People who are saved are given this hope. In contrast to that, the unsaved are in Ephesians 2 verse 12. This is what the Bible says about those who are unsaved. And it's actually talking to Gentile believers. So that's non-Jewish Christians. And it's talking about what their life was like before they were saved. Okay, In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. So they weren't Jews. They did not know the covenant promises God had made them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. That was us. Before we met Jesus, we lived without hope. And I have to say, for me, I didn't even realize that. I had no idea until I got saved that I didn't have hope to begin with. Colossians says that Christ in us is the hope of glory. See, hope is linked to salvation. You can't be saved and not have hope. You can't get hope without being saved. They are linked. Christ in us is the hope of glory. Now, maybe ask yourself this question. Are you excited about life after death? I, I am very excited about what's to come. I, I can't wait. Apparently, the greatest fear in the world is the fear of death. Well, I'm not a part of that statistic. And I'm not trying to be a hero. I'm just saying when I got saved, I got hope. (laughs) I can't wait for future glory. I I can't wait to see God face to face. Walk on the streets of gold in heaven and worship among millions and millions of angels. I am looking forward to that. I have hope. That's where my hope is, in Jesus. I'm not afraid of dying, and I'm not afraid of meeting God. I'm not afraid of judgment, because I've been given hope. Amen. Not because I'm some kind of a tough guy, and I've, you know, pulled the wool over my eyes and convinced myself this is something worth believing in. It's something I just received. When I gave my life to Jesus and He saved me, He became the hope of my salvation. 
And I have a confident expectation that God is going to do everything that he promised in the Bible. And someone once calculated there are about 8,000 promises in the Bible. That is amazing to me. And God is going to fulfill every single one of them. They won't, no one will get to heaven and point a finger at God and say, you said you were going to do this, and you didn't. No one will do that. <laughs> Hope is the helmet over our minds, protecting our thoughts. See, when the devil attacks, he comes and he says, look around. Look at what's going on in the world today. Look at how bad things are. Look at, look at your life. You're not seeing the things that's promised in the Bible. You've been praying and praying and praying and God's not doing anything. If you don't have your helmet on, guess what? Those lies are going to sit in your mind and start affecting you. But when you have hope, you can, you can say back to the devil, okay, maybe we are living in difficult times. Maybe I am still waiting for God to answer my prayer, but I'm not that concerned about here and now. My eyes are fixed on future glory. That's where it really counts. Amen. All Christians should be optimists. <laughs> Amen? We should. If we're a pessimist as a Christian, it means our eyes are focused on the wrong things. Paul said he fixed his eyes on future glory that far outweighs any problem he could ever face on earth. And when you look at what he went through, my goodness... It's way worse than any of us have experienced. How many times was he stoned? Three times. Left for dead. Shipwrecked. Hungry. Beaten. I don't know how many times. Persecuted like none of us have experienced. And yet he said these are light and momentary troubles. Why? Because his eyes are fixed on eternal glory. One of the ways the Bible describes our hope is it's an anchor. Hebrews 6 verse 19. Hebrews 6 19 says this. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Amen. It's an anchor. The reason a ship needs an anchor is because it rests on an unstable surface. Water. It's completely unstable. You can't grab a hold of water. You can't take a firm grip on water. And, the, and a boat sits on this volatile, unstable surface. And so it needs an anchor if it's going to be kept in place. And that anchor has to pass through the, un, the instability of water and latch itself onto something solid like a rock. That's what it has to do in order for it to be anchored can't just be in the sand, just dragging along the bottom. It's got to be fixed to a rock. And the, in, the, in the Bible, it's saying our lives are exactly the same. The world we live in is like the sea. It's like water. It's unstable. If you are trying to grab hold of things in the world, you're going to live an unstable life. But if your anchor is in Christ, who is the rock of our salvation... 
We've got something that passes beyond everything that's unstable in this world. In fact, it goes beyond time and eternity to latch on to Jesus, the rock of ages, and then you have hope. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter how stormy the seas are, if your anchor is in Christ, you will be stable. Your mind will be protected. Otherwise, you will lose all hope. Otherwise, you'll go crazy in your mind. Oh, Lord, if you're looking at the things around you, let me give you some information. It's only going to get worse. That's what the Bible paints a picture of. Things have to get worse before Jesus comes back and saves the day. He's coming back to save. (laughs) If there's nothing to save, he's not coming back. Amen. Things are going to be in a mess before he comes back. Don't try and find your stability in grabbing a hold or trying to organize the mess. Our hope, our anchor should be in Jesus. He's the rock. He's the only thing that's stable that we can latch onto and say, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Take a firm grip on Jesus. And that verse in Hebrews 6.19 goes on to say this. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. It actually takes us from beyond the instability of this world that we live in into the very presence of God. That's wearing the helmet of hope. Maybe this morning you... You're sitting here and you realize you've lost hope. Maybe you've lost sight of Jesus. You've, you've been distracted and uh, your attention is on all the problems around you. You stop praying. You stop reading your Bible. You got the helmet, but you're not wearing it. Like the disciples, you're in the boat, but you're in the storm. You're in the storms of life. Jesus is out on the water, amazingly. (laughs) He's walking on the very thing that we're so worried about. And he says, come to me. Leave the boat. You're not going to find security in the boat. Sometimes we're so petrified of The storm is out there. The boat is the only thing that looks comfortable. But Jesus is saying, come to me. He is the anchor. If you get to where Jesus is, you will have peace. You will have security. You will have hope. You will have fulfillment in life. You will never be fulfilled with anything that you can find in the boat. You can only find fulfillment in Jesus. I know that that's a little bit kind of uh, different to what I'm Uh, angling at today, but I felt it's a word for someone here today. You need to let go of the boat. You're too focused on trying to stabilize something around you. You want to be able to control something. You're scared of walking out onto the water and trusting Jesus because it means letting go of your control. Let go. You will find peace. You will find hope. Or you can keep struggling in the boat for the rest of your life. You'll be a Christian, but you'll be unstable 
<laughs> Let Jesus be your hope. Let him be your joy. Let him be your peace. Let's put on all the parts of the armor of God. So finally, the sword of the Spirit. Number six, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Interestingly, that the sword is both defensive and it's offensive. You can use the sword to attack as well as defend, but you can only attack as far as your arm will reach. So it's a close quarters thing, okay? I think that's why Paul's included it here. And I've spoken many times about the two different Greek words for the word word. <laughs> okay? It's logos and rhema, the written word and the spoken word. And in this instance, in Ephesians chapter 6, it's the rhema. It's the spoken word of God. But it's not God speaking his word. It's you speaking God's word. That's the sword. We don't sit there and say, God, please help. Please speak on my behalf. We speak out the truth of God's word. That means we've got to know the word. Amen? <laughs> A great example of this is when Jesus was taken into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit and he was tempted by the devil. And on all three occasions when the devil came with one temptation after the next, Jesus answered him saying, it is written, and he quoted scripture. It is written, it is written, it is written. And he quoted scripture over and over again. He never got into an argument with the devil. He never reasoned with him. He never threw the devil's question back at him and said, nah, that's not the wrong. You're twisting my words or anything. He just said, it is written. Bang, the scriptures. That's using the word of God. And the interesting thing is that Satan never... Um, he never argued about the validity or the truth of the word of God. He accepted it. Jesus believed the word. Satan believed the word. And we should believe the word too. If we're going to use the sword of the spirit, we have to believe in our hearts that what we are saying is God's word. It's not hoping. We're not using a, a, a sword made of plasticine or something. Hoping somehow... It's going to make a difference. We have to believe God's word. This is the word of God. It is sharp. It is a double-edged sword. It separates bone and marrow, spirit and soul. It is powerful. And the devil, when you use it like that, he can't argue. He's not going to say, ah, I don't believe that. He has to. <laughs> he does believe it, and he fears the word of God. Stand your ground. Don't doubt and speak out the word of God. I have to say, out of all the pieces of armor, this is the thing that God has challenged me the most on. Because I know the word of God, but I don't speak it out often enough. When It's no good having the Bible on your bedside table. It's no good when you're feeling like you're under attack and in your mind you're just praying or whatever. Sometimes you have to verbally, out loud, speak out the word of God. When the devil attacks you and lies to you to make you fearful, you speak out a scripture like 2 Timothy 1.7, which says, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love and power and of a sound mind. But it's no good just thinking that. You have to say it. God has not given me a spirit of fear. 
but of love and power and of a sound mind. And if the devil attacks you and you, you're feeling alone, you're feeling rejected and all that kind of thing, you can use a scripture like Romans 8.15, which says, I have received God's spirit when he adopted me as his own child, and it's by the spirit that I call him Abba Father. Amen. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of God. I'm not alone. I have a spirit that enables me to call God my father. He hasn't rejected me. And what I've done there is I've personalized the scripture. So if the scripture says God has not given us a spirit of fear, you make it personal. God has not given me a spirit of fear. You, you make the word personal for you. It's a promise, one of these 8,000 promises, and it's for you. Not, yeah, it's for the church, and hopefully I'm a part of it. Make it yours. God, this is your personal promise to me. That's how we use the word, as the sword. So let me encourage you. Read the word. Read it every day. Get it into you. Memorize it. The way I memorize scripture is I, I, I write it down. I just get a piece of paper and I just write. So let's say those four scriptures. I, I did this this week. I wrote them down. Copied them out, first of all, so you get, the, you get them right. You know, whatever version you're using, that's fine. Copied them out. Second time, try to write them on another piece of paper. See if I maybe got two or three right, couldn't remember the fourth one. Look at what the fourth one is, write it. Get a new piece of paper, write them down again. Because the best way to learn is you see it, you hear it, and you write it. So as, you, as you're writing them out, speak them out. And it's over and over and over. And that's how you memorize scripture. It's not hard. <laughs> that's just a tip for free. <laughs> but out of all of them, this is the one that God's challenged me the most on, is speak out. Don't be silent. Don't be passive. Speak the word of God out when you're feeling like you're under attack. That's the armor of God. It's... It's so important that we put all of it on. Honesty and integrity, love, faith, peace, hope, and speaking out Scripture. That's what the armor is. It's not, this, like I said in the earlier message, it's not us trying to do an act of faith, put the helmet on, take up the shield, and by faith I'm doing this, praise God. No, it's living in the hope of Christ. It's living with the love of God. It's, it's being honest about who we are, being truthful, living with integrity. That's wearing the armor. It's very practical. Amen? And if you wear this armor, the Bible promises, God promises you, you will be standing firm after the devil attacks you. If you put the armor on, you'll be able to withstand it. Isn't that a wonderful promise? doesn't matter how powerful our enemy is, and he is powerful. We have armor that is God's own armor, and it is good for the job. Amen? It's the perfect armor. It's battle-tested already by Jesus. And there he says, now you use it, and you'll be just as victorious as me. Just put it all on. Don't leave one part off. Use all of it, 
And let's encourage one another as we go through this life. Encourage each other and help each other to say, hey, you know what? Let me pray for you. Let me pray for peace. Let me pray that you would realize the hope of your salvation. Let me pray that God fills you with his love so that you are uh, sharing with other people out of love. Let me pray that you can memorize scripture. I've prayed for people before who they said every time they sit down to read the Bible, they just fall asleep after like three verses. They just cannot read the Bible. I said, how long can you sit in front of the TV and watch shows for? Hours. I said, something's not right. This is not just a natural problem you have. So I prayed for them. <laughs> because you should be able to sit and read the Bible for ages. If you can't read three verses and you're falling asleep, something's not right. You need prayer. Particularly if you can watch TV for all day long and not feel tired at all. If you're tired at both, you just need a holiday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, let's help each other. Let's walk alongside each other. Because we, we need each other. We need Jesus and we need each other. We're in the body. The body is connected by all these different joints and ligaments. The body of Christ is not a jellyfish. Everyone connected to the head. We are, but we're also connected to each other. And so let's help each other. Let's support each other. Let's pray for each other. Encourage each other. And uh, we, we're going to get there in the end and be worshiping with the angels, walking on the streets of gold, seeing God face to face. I was thinking the, the reason heaven is so great is not because of all that other stuff. It's because Jesus is there. Amen? If he was somewhere else, heaven wouldn't be worth going to. Amen? Maybe just go there, take a few photos, and that's it. But wherever Jesus is, I want to be there. Amen. Let's, uh, let's bow our heads in prayer. Thank you, Lord. We just, uh, Lord, we don't want to just rush this in, but um, I, I feel that there may be some people here that... Um, that have a wound in their mind that needs to be healed. And Lord, you, you are all-powerful. You're the one that created us and designed us. You, you know exactly what's going on. You, you, you know our innermost being and our thoughts. You know exactly why there is a wound, what caused it, and you are able to heal it. And Lord, we come before you now, bring all of us before you, and particularly anyone here who just is struggling in their mind, there's something broken inside their mind. Lord, you, you are able to heal them, and I pray that you would stretch out your hand and you would just touch minds here this morning. Pray for your healing power, the power that holds the universe together, power to walk on water, power to raise the dead. Lord, you can fix our minds. You are able. With man, things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So Lord, I pray healing and freedom over minds this morning. Bring clarity of thinking. Where there's chaos, where where there's just turmoil and anguish and 
just an unsettledness, can't sleep at night because minds are just churning. Lord, I pray for peace. I pray for hope. I pray that there would be such a revelation of the hope of our salvation. We would be so looking forward to what's to come. We'd be able to face any difficulty here and smile. Father, I pray for healing right now. In Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, for anyone that's just struggled with busyness and that kind of thing. Maybe they're not wearing all their armor. Lord, you know where we're all at. And you know which pieces of armor have been neglected in our lives. Speak to us now, Lord. And just point that out and say, hey, put that on. Put on the shoes of peace. Put on the helmet of salvation. Take up the shield of faith. Take up the sword of the Spirit. Speak to us now, Lord. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you've made provision for us to be victorious, to make it to the end, to finish the race that you've set out before us. Thank you. You've given us everything we need for life and for godliness. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just remind us now if there's, a, if there's an element of this armor that we've overlooked or neglected, help us, Lord, to put it on and to live that out in our lives. I pray for a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit in each of us. I pray that rivers of living water would flow from deep within our soul. I pray for just joy. I pray for peace. I pray for love. All the good things that you are, pour them into us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wonderful.